George Clooney, as a lawyer in Hawaii, has the unenviable task of having to inform all of their friends and family that she will be pulled from life support within the week, which also happens to include the son of a bitch she cheated on him on. This is The Descendants, and this is Movies for Guys Who Like Movies. Quick take. Sorry to bother you. I'm Mad King. Yeah, I've come to pick up my daughter, Alexandra. You need to come home and see your mom. I'm the backup parent, the understudy. I thought you were supposed to be getting your act together. I've been doing really well, actually. Nobody ever seems to notice that. And with Elizabeth, my wife, in the hospital, my daughters are testing me. Look who's here. Get out of my underwear, you freak. Okay, back inside now. Real good job you're doing. We have to go through this thing together. You and Scotty and me. Dad, this is Sid. He's gonna be with me. I'll be a lot more civil with him around. Set, bro. Don't ever do that to me again. I have to go around and tell people what's happening. Family and a few close friends. I don't want to talk about mom with anyone. Look, whatever you two fought about, you have to drop it. Grow up. You really don't have a clue, do you? Dad, mom was cheating on you. I'd like to know who the guy is that my wife was seeing. What you've been going through, that's a tough deal. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. <laughs> I'm gonna hit you. How often do old people just haul off in cold cocky like that? start pouring this wonderful alcoholic beverage here this is going to be a southern comfort and coke because this is probably definitely going to be a drinking edition of the podcast unless of course your old Jim out there on the road don't do this while driving bud but you might want to after kind of continuing with Williams proposed experiment of doing quick takes with movies just with us and not necessarily a roundtable fashion, I've decided to kind of go a little differently as usual, and I decided to do The Descendants. Not necessarily a super exciting film, no ninjas, explosions, Seagal, Stallone, any of those normal things that seem to be a big go, but it does have one thing, a lot of hard-assness. And I'll explain throughout the whole episode here, and I promise it's gonna go somewhere. 
So we start off, let's talk a little bit about the movie itself. It came out in 2011, towards December. Only cost $20 million to make. I'm pretty sure the majority of that was location and Clooney's salary. Because there's not many stars in this movie uh, besides him. You've got Robert Forrester from previous episode of New Blood Rising podcast from Jackie Brown. He was Max Cherry. Does a really good job in here. Also, this was the first movie I recall seeing Shailene Woodley in. She plays Clooney's oldest daughter. She's now the main character in those divergent movies or whatever they are. So she's kind of stuck in young adult novel. Novel. Sorry. Novel adaptation land. Uh, This movie had a lot of Oscar nominations. Of course, it was definitely Oscar bait coming out in December of that year, uh, which is generally the way they go. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, and won for Best Adapted Screenplay uh, because it was written by, it was based on a novel, but the adaptation came from Alexander Payne, who happened to be the director, Ned Faction, and Jim Rash, who Jim Rash, you may or may not know, he plays the Dean on Community. and. That's what got me to really, really want to watch this movie because I was like, well, this is supposed to be a drama and pretty intense film. And and it was surprising that it could be adapted from that guy. And I know we tend to get in that loop of seeing the roles that someone play and just immediately go, oh, that's them. That's how they are all the time. And it's definitely not necessarily the case. Um, So I really, really, really want to go ahead and dive into this. So we'll go ahead and kind of start with the, the first shot of the movie just probably the first 30 seconds or so is just the wife elizabeth who's going to be kind of the focus of this movie with ever never saying a word she first is she's just on a boat in the boat race smiling her ass off and having a great time and it fades to black and kind of cuts to shots and footage of hawaii but then you hear what's really going to let you know how this movie's gonna go from the opening voiceover that George Clooney gives you, and it just goes like this. My friends on the mainland think that because I live in Hawaii, I live in paradise, like a permanent vacation. We're all just out here sipping Mai Tais, shaking our hips, and catching waves. Are they insane? Do they think we are immune to life? And he tags the end of his speech with paradise can go fuck himself really let you know that just because this is a movie with Hawaii that's going to have a lot of the not my favorite Hawaiian music, this is not all cheery, everything is grand kind of film. Um, and it's it's definitely not throughout most of the film, but you'll see when we get there, I promise. So a big thing that it lets you know is it gives you a lot of facts up front. I like when movies do that. They set the time frame. Not necessarily period, but frame. Where his wife has been in this coma now because of the accident with the same boat race that she was in for 23 days. Um, and he's been dealing with taking care of her, running his own law firm, and just so happens to be the head of a trust for 25,000 acres of land. And that trust will expire in seven years. So he and his extended family being it's Hawaiian, apparently, just dozens and dozens and dozens of cousins uh, are in the mood to sell it, and they're going to vote coming up very soon on who gets to get this land and potentially can make hundreds of millions of dollars. 
for this family. So there's a lot of pressure that he is under right from the get-go. Um, just, it, it's really interesting dynamic that this goes on because it seems like it's a couple different movies you know a, a person dealing with their spouse in a coma is one a person dealing with having that kind of family pressure is definitely another one um but he just kind of learns from the doctor early on in the film that this coma is permanent she is not going to recover and per her living will she is to be removed off life support so the doctor explains that that he knows, being he's a lawyer, there's nothing he can do about that. Those are legally binding. And that it's best that he just goes to tell their friends and family to come and say goodbye to her before they pull the plug and then have to wait. So Clooney kind of does the man up. A lot of people, when they deal with grief, they, they deal in different ways. Some people get very emotional, shut down. Then there are other people who kind of get into this job's got to get done mode. I'll grieve later. I'll be angry, upset, whatever, later, and go and handle the mission. And he's very just brit, this whole movie. Um, doesn't cry until the very end. And I, I know that doesn't sound like a great big payoff in a movie, but if you've never seen this movie, it really, really is, especially under the circumstances. Um, so his life has really been falling apart for a while, even before this. They had to send his oldest daughter off to boarding school because she had a lot of issues. And then shortly before she went to was shipped off this last time, her and her mother got into a huge argument and none of them have spoken, not even since the accident. Which is kind of weird for a teenager, but hey, you know, we all hold grudges in our different way. Um, so that's a real interesting scene. He goes to get his daughter... I like it. He goes, it's late. They go to the boarding school where the headmistresses or the dormitory or whatever goes to her room and she's not there. And her roommate tells her that she snuck out. She's hanging out with some other people drinking and they go find his teenage daughter with another teenager downing some sort of cheap alcohol. And he just looks at the headmistress and says, what the fuck do I pay you people for? I love it. It's like a real, real chippy. Clooney is very chippy to certain people in this movie when when they tend to piss him off and he doesn't necessarily go hard on a, on the people that deserve it. Uh, but that really, really gets, gets to me there. I always kind of chuckle with that. The next few little bit, you see him kind of just struggling to try to get his daughter to, to get in line, to accept the situation, to stop kind of being a bitch. Uh, and then when he just confronts her and says, why, are you so upset with your mother? What, what's what's going on? And his daughter lets him know that over the holidays, she saw her mother cheating on him and had been cheating on him with this person for quite a while. Uh, I love the reaction that, that Clooney has here and the, the kind of humor that the movie takes is, you know, this is Hawaii. And in the movie, Clooney says that, you know, you would never know who's powerful in Hawaii because some of the most powerful people look like bums or stuntmen. And he goes and slides on a pair of flip-flops and power walks with this just angry-ass look to their best friend's house to confront those two people because they would know. And he just kind of walks into their home and gets them, and they're in the middle of this meaningless argument, and he just looks at them and says, Who is he? 
how long have you known, wants information. And they both kind of play it, just play it down for a second. And then his wife's best friend blames him for her affair. Now, you weren't a good husband to her. You weren't loving her. You weren't showing her the attention that she needed. This is really your fault. Which then Clooney goes ham on her by explaining, you know, well, yesterday he's like, we're pulling the plug. She is going to die. She is not going to recover. Yesterday you were putting lipstick on a corpse. Pretty fierce, which is really great because the husband of the best friend just goes, that's, that's kind of intense, man. Just suddenly not trying to comfort his wife or anything. Just he's also taken aback and, and also kind of cowarding because he's cornered by a man who just discovered that his dying wife was having an affair. And these people who were supposed to be his friend didn't tell him. I mean, I wouldn't want any friends like that. I mean, you know, weigh it out. Yes, they say they're her friend and there's this whole argument between them of, of who they're betraying. I mean, I get it. You know, that's pretty tough. But he sucks that up, real pissed off, heads back and continues with his journey to inform all their friends and family. He takes the legal papers to her father, who's played by Robert Forrester, as mentioned before. And his performance in this movie is, is so great. And it's a fine line because it can be such a cliché of a character. It's a father-in-law, hard-ass, angry on the son-in-law, just being a dick. He, you know, he takes a lot of just anger and chippiness towards Clooney, and it doesn't seem like it's new, considering the circumstances. And he even blames Clooney's character for her being in the accident. All the money that you have that you don't spend... And if you just spent money on her and bought her her own boat and showed her attention at home, she wouldn't have had to go out to seek thrills and get a rush. And she would not be in that accident. So he's been the same day he's learned that or he's being blamed for his wife's infidelity and is now also being blamed for her being in this accident. He doesn't say a word to her at all, or to his, his father-in-law about the situation. And his daughter, who knows, is just there as well. And she's brought along her idiot boyfriend, Sid, who, where I read, is supposed to kind of be the comic relief in this movie, but he he's the different, he's like the character that it's, it's okay to not like in this movie because, you know, you're about to learn, like, Robert Forrest's character, as I said, is a thin line of a cliche. You could be like, well, I'm still not going to like him because no parent wants to outlive their kid. Uh, but then you see in the very next scene uh, that Robert Forrester is, or the mother of Elizabeth, who they call Tutu, which is, I looked up, is like a Hawaiian form of grandma or nana. It's an affectionate term. She's suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia or something. So he's going through the living version of what Clooney's character has been going through just the last month. But this has definitely been long term. I mean, the he has to introduce her to her son-in-law and her granddaughter. And the one he's looking and trying to explain what they have to do. He, he doesn't even bother 
saying she's going to pass away. He just says that we have to go see her and go see her in her hospital room. So let's find some things that she would want. And she's still kind of confused. And she hears her daughter's name, which is Elizabeth. And the hospital is Queens Hospital. And she gets confused and thinks they're, they are going to go see Queen Elizabeth, which is, you know, and sad on top of everything else. Q kind of doofus ass boyfriend character Sid starts laughing and won't stop. Even when Robert Forrester looks at him, tell him shut the fuck up in, in different wording, uh, walks over and he's just like, I can't help it, man. It's funny. I think she knows she's being funny. Robert Forrester says, I'm going to hit you and hits his ass, which leads to a really good scene in the car, which is an, and I'm not doing a play by play of this movie. I'm just breaking down some of my favorite parts. The scene in the car where they're driving back from Elizabeth's parents and Sid's in the back and he's got a frozen bag of peas over his eye and it's a nasty looking black eye and he starts saying some stuff and Clooney just says, you get hit a lot and the kid says, I've had my fair share and mounds off and says something to Clooney and Clooney just stops the car and turns around and gives him this look like it's, it's, it's a lot of Clooney's character is cracks at some time showing us that he's just on the edge of losing it and he never does this is one thing i really like about this is that they could have played different roles as far as writing and and Clooney probably could have made some decisions to just look at this and just be an excuse to be wacky angry say horrific things to people all the time and he doesn't um this is just a a great scene with that, just that look, like, you know, that, that real angry, intense look uh, that he gets to this kid. And I'll probably get a picture and screenshot and send it out because it would be, it's a really good anger thing for us to post with our memes as we, memes, memes, whatever. I've had some drinks, leave me alone, uh, as far as with our wrestling stuff. So this does lead to them kind of driving around for looking for this person. They know his name is Brian Sear. And they're going to try to find out, you know, just get some information for him. His daughter says, I saw them at this house. They spent some time looking for this house. And it's it's a, probably a day or two search that they gracefully don't focus too much on. They, we get to go back and uh, that to the hospital. And these scenes in the hospital are, I don't know how actors do things like this sometimes. Some of the places that they go and, and, and have to do, you know, you're not just, you're reading someone else's words and, but you have to give them life and the personality. And this is, this is pretty intense here. This is the first time that Clooney is going to see his wife after learning of her infidelity and he goes in to see her alone and it's great because it's all one way I mean this this actress who's playing his wife is just laying there just corpsed up and it's it's a really wonderful makeup job and it's 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 really tough um and I wrote it down because this is again this is really good stuff to say and I, I don't know where this came from but it's tell me again that I'm too out of touch with my feelings 
and that I need to go to therapy. Isn't the idea of marriage to make your partner's way in life a little easier? For me, it was always harder with you, and you were still making it harder. Laying there on a ventilator and fucking up my life. You are relentless. And then goes and lets his kids in. His his youngest daughter is only 10. They haven't explained to her really what's going on. She has no clue about the infidelity. And it's also, this is the first time his oldest daughter has seen the mother since she got angry and left uh, during the holidays. And she comes in and she is just ready to scream at her. And Clooney looks at her and says, don't bring this up. Don't spoil her for your sister. It's, it's a wonderful way. So even then, he's protecting the, the memory of his wife so that people that don't know don't need to know. Don't spoil that from him. So that's a, that's a big manly thing to do, I guess I would say. Is I would probably be telling everybody. I don't know about you guys. That'd be something you guys could provide feedback with. So we'll find out. Uh, they go back out driving again, and they find Brian Sear uh, because he happens to be a realtor. And there's his goofy ass face all over his realtor sign. And Brian Sear is played by one Matthew Lillard. So I just want to stop for a second as far as analyze the movie. Definitely take a sip of this drink who's getting all watered down. And ask you guys this question. I'm going to put you in Elizabeth King. That's the wife's position. So you are married to George Clooney. And yes, you are unhappily married. You know, things aren't great at home. And you do to make a decision that I'm going to look for something else. I'm going to find something else out there. And I'm not going to judge you based upon that. No, that's your decision. But you're married to George Clooney and you cheat on him with Matthew Lillard? I mean, that's a stretch. I mean, you literally went from Batman to Shaggy. So, you know, that's that's strange to me. I I don't know if if I do that. I have a sensibility about men. I find George Clooney, he's a very handsome guy. And, you know, Lillard is, is Lillard. This isn't even Scream Lillard or SLC Punk Lillard. This is... In his 40s, Matthew Lillard. So I don't know. No disrespect to him, but I'd take 40-something, 50-something Clooney over 40-something Lillard all day. Let me know on my Twitter at the Jason Kiesler, so, or at New Blood Rising Pod. We'll have all that at the end of the movie. But getting back to this, and the reason why I just want to make that bad joke is because this this gets to be a pretty heavy movie, and I've actually had to do this a couple times because. I get pretty emotional at certain parts of this. It's what a good movie does. I, I'll get into that later. We'll go through. But throughout the entire movie, people are casually telling Clooney that he's going to mess everything up. The state is the people in the state are upset about the land sale, or he's going to make a money and he can't buy his way out of this or that, and. All this stuff. People are real bitter towards him about this. And then his family, when he runs into each one of the dozens and dozens, I said cousins earlier, are each trying to put their two cents in and get information of which way he's going to go. 
for the sale since he is the trustee. But he's letting the family vote and they're going to make a decision based upon the vote. He'll just sign the papers kind of thing. And I mean, it is ultimately his decision. But uh, it's real high. It gets to be real high tension because he learns from the realtor that he calls to try to get information to to meet Scott is his name, I believe. No, Brian, sorry, Brian. And when he goes to meet Brian, he learns that he's on vacation on one of the other islands in Hawaii, and he won't be back for a week. Um, so one of the other realtors in the office is happy to show this fake person that Clooney made up the house, and he decides, no, he, he's going to go and see him face-to-face. So that's pretty intense there. He's like, I'm going to go meet him. I'm going to go talk to him. And he's not doing it because, well, I'm going to get that son of a bitch kind of revenge style. He's going because if he cared about her, he deserves the chance to say goodbye. Mm. Crazy. Right? He tells his daughter, he's like, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to be gone a couple days. They've already pulled his wife off life support. They're just kind of waiting for her to die. Um, but yet there, he's just so ready to go do this. I, I thought that was really interesting. He doesn't necessarily feel like sitting in, in the hospital and making anyone, I mean, the kids sit in there either and wait on this. He's being proactive, uh, which is, which is nice, but you know, that's, that's another one of the big parts of this movie is the intensity there. You get some hard lines. Uh, coming through, and it's more the the angerness, angerness, angerness of Clooney being at that point, and his daughter's pissed off because he wants to go tell this guy and give him the chance. She's wanting him to just go and, and berate the guy or do whatever. And the best one, of, some of the best writing here is Clooney just looks at her, and he doesn't quite get angry, but he gets stern, and he says, "On the phone, he can escape, and in person, he's got nowhere to go." I want to see his face. Ballsy. Right? He's like, yeah, you cheated on my wife. Oh, she happens to be dying, so you should go say goodbye. Mm, fuck. Again, that's more of stuff I'm not sure if I could do. But they wind up finding the, the little bungalow that he's at, and he makes the decision to kind of go and introduce himself because uh, he found the wife of the guy who he's cheating on too. So not only was this person cheating on him with his wife, he had a family as well with two kids and he's jeopardizing that too. And Clooney learns that with this big land deal that I was just talking about, Matthew Lillard's character is involved with that deal. And as a realtor can also stand to make a huge commission off this sale. So the son of a bitch fucks his wife and happens to, profit off of this big huge decision that he's going to be making for his family uh he goes and meets him doesn't tell him up front who he is as far as that he he slowly introduces he says hi i'm matt king yeah yeah that matt king yeah my wife elizabeth king that moment lillard knows who it is and Clooney and lillard have a nice little intense scene in the house and it's just a, kind of an interrogation. It's, it's, did you love her? Did she love you? How did you meet? Were you ever in my house? And 
those kind of things. And it's just Lillard is terrifying, like really good on his part. He's trying to defend himself. He's like, just it just happened too. You know, you please don't tell my wife. Please don't destroy my family. Kind of, kind of way. And Clooney doesn't. Clooney does not tell the wife at all. He could have definitely set that up, but he's he's dealing with a lot more. I don't think he wants to have that guilt on his hands because he really hasn't done anything as far as that relationship goes. Um, this kind of jumps to the day of the vote and the family is there and they decide that they're going to sell to this one person who's going to develop it greatly and Clooney's about to sit and sign the paper and you've got old Bo Bridges playing his cousin Hugh, which it just makes me laugh because that guy really just looks Hawaiian as hell. Always has to me, always has that mentality. And Clooney decides at the last minute that he's not signing and not selling. Totally, totally fucks all these people over in a way. Uh, Clooney says that they have seven years left in the trust, so that gives him seven years to figure out how they can keep that land and don't have to sell it, and it's theirs. And as someone who's watched this movie a lot, I think he makes this decision. One, to yes, keep the land. Uh, Two, to fuck over Matthew Lillard, even though he never once says that he's doing it. And number three, there is a huge decision that his wife made for him that he has no say in whatsoever. He can't try to keep her alive longer, hold out hope. That decision was made. And he has to give up that. Whereas this, he can try to save this land for his family for generations and generations. So I think that's nothing that's not stated in the movie. That's just me making shit up for as many times as I've seen it. Uh, then you come back. Clooney got has a little more empowerment through the whole movie. As I said, he's been blamed for her infidelity. He's been blamed for her accident. There's just people are trying to peek in to get his decision to try to help coerce him in one way or the other that's going to benefit them. And then he makes this decision that is his decision. And I think it gives his character a lot of strength to deal with what he's about to have to deal with, which is saying goodbye to his wife and then dealing with his children with the aftermath of this. Um, So the family's there waiting, you know, just hanging out. They come back. He's done what he needed to do. They're watching the weather. Uh, They get the explanation to the 10-year-old daughter which that's a harsh scene. It's like dubbed over and very quiet. You can just read the lips of the therapist in the hospital explaining to this 10-year-old what's happening. Real good decisions on the part of the the sound editor and the way that they put that together. Um, You know, her father shows up again with his family and gets more on Clooney's case and just berates him even more as this is going. So she was a she was a good wife. She was a devoted wife. And there's this bit, and you see it. It's he's he's about to say it, and Clooney just shuts up, doesn't say a word, just lets these people say goodbye to the daughter as they knew her. Um, Matthew Lillard's character never shows up, never comes to say goodbye. His wife does, played by Judy Greer, and she gets in and she tells Clooney, she goes, I, I know. She figures it out. She explains it to him. And she wasn't just doing this out of kindness of her heart. She also wants to confront the woman who cheated on her, or who her husband cheated on her with. And 
you know, it gets to this point. And the first time I watched this movie, I was getting really nervous. I thought they were going to do a, a crudge fuck subplot or something like that. And they don't. They, they don't because that would cheapen the last seven minutes of this movie, even in just hinting at that. I mean, Clooney gets to the point. He asked her to leave uh, and just that's enough. It's time to go. And when he shuts the door to the, the hospital room, and it's just him and his wife again. And this, this is the payoff, right? The first, like the, you watch the, the movie the first time and you're thinking the confrontation between Clooney and Lillard is, is, is something. And it first time to me, it was a little underwhelming. And then here it is. It's just the, the moment of absolute forgiveness. You think it's it, the, the stuff that he said in the scene, just him and her earlier is gone. I can't say those words. I have rehearsed them not to get the clooniness. I have tried to say them and I can't get it out like that. Maybe Will will put it in in post for the last little bit. It's literally only a second. But it's the time that Clooney cries. And he's saying goodbye. He's not saying the, oh, we'll meet again in the next life. This, this is it. Goodbye. You're, that's all he has to say. And there's more. But, I mean, that's where I'm getting at. You see movies where dying spouses and, oh, we'll be together again kind of baloney. He's, he's not that at all. He's not doing it whatsoever. Um, the movie closes, wonderfully so, with Clooney on the couch with his two daughters sharing ice cream and they're watching a movie. Kind of everything's calm and peaceful. So, if you've ever dealt with a family member passing away, there's that turmoil that's always there, that tension, and then just when things are done, that relief, and that's what this movie gives you, because at the end, because it is hard-hitting. Again, I just decided this movie was the movie I want to talk about, because I like it a lot. It doesn't necessarily fit with the roundtable discussion, um, and I like this movie because it's a release, not an escape. You know, if I want to escape, I'm going to watch Chris Pratt in space or something like that. This this movie sometimes gets where I get to get all the junk out of me from just day-to-day life. And then sometimes there's more extreme things. And if you feel the need to release, this may be it. You know, for a while before I saw this movie, I I had my go-tos. And, you know, I'd maybe watch the last two episodes of Cowboy Bebop, which if you're a fan of that, you know what I'm talking about. Um... And it's just, just, just as I got older, you know, watching an animated feature just didn't, or show didn't do it for me. And this does. This helps kind of let me get the bad out, that emotional stuff, and gives me a nice recharge. So hopefully sharing this film with you guys in this kind of quick form fashion. You know, if you've never seen it, if you never thought about seeing it, definitely watch it. It's not something that, that it's spoiled because the storytelling is that good and the emotional impact is still there. Uh, definitely let me know how you feel about this. Again, we're looking for feedback, you know, whether or not you want me to do another sad movie or never talk about this again. It's totally up to you. You can let me know on Twitter at the Jason Kiesler. Of course, the podcast is at New Blood Pod. Email us. That's one of the good ways. We would love interaction for this. We might read it on the air. We might just respond individually to you. We may ignore you. just depends on what you put in there. But let us know what you think about these movies. What's your go-to movie um, kind of thing? Now, again, we're not looking for therapy. We're just looking for 
a little friendly chit chat. I think you guys have been listening to us for a year and you might enjoy that as well. So this is me signing off. Again, thank you for the half hour we've spent together and hope to see you guys. I'm not sure when this will release, so I don't know what's coming next. Surprises and mysteries of experiment, but thanks again.